0: Steps under center, Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps, oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over, and Carolina has won the game. Benley to throw over the middle, intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40, Wofa to midfield. Miles Wofa with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis has it. Touchdown, Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, back with me, Josh Marlowe once again. And uh, Bud, you've been uh, on a few podcasts here in the offseason. This is the most work you've had out of the gate in an off offseason in a uh, in a long time here, but I think it's part of it is just because of how excited we are for this upcoming season. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think uh, we've got some really exciting stuff to talk about today, though, uh, when it comes to this Tariel football program. So how you doing, man? Not too bad. That's awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. So, uh, yeah, today we're gonna talk through uh some of the stuff that's been coming out of spring practice so far. They are officially four practices in. Mac Brown spoke to the media for the second time. During spring camp yesterday. So, we're going to talk a little bit about what came out of that, what came out of the scrimmage on Saturday, everything of that nature, and then also talk a little bit about the pro day that just happened. Ask a couple of key questions about that uh, before we get ready and uh, shut this thing down. again we're uh, we're closing in pretty quickly believe it or not spring practice is racing through and we will be to April 24th before we realize it some really good stuff coming out of spring camp though we just heard Mac Brown uh, you were here sitting with me as we were going through uh, the press conference everything like that and I think one of the biggest things that we have to talk about just out of the gate is how you know positive Mac Brown has been out of the gate with these guys. Last year during fall camp wasn't the same type of mindset, which was somewhat expected considering that you were a young team that didn't have a spring practice. So there were a lot of concerns this year. Mac Brown really loves the energy that he's seen from his guys, and is starting to get the feel that this is a program that is ready to compete at the highest level right now.
1: Yeah, I mentioned the last time we were on here that we have to monitor what he says, because what he says, he means. So last year when he was being not really negative he just wasn't as positive as you want him to be there was reason for that this year he's very positive he brings a lot of energy to the press conferences and there's a good reason why because he's liking what he's seeing in practice for the most part and i know people don't want to believe it and i know it's cliche if carolina's going to compete to win the acc they're going to they're going to do that right now like, you got to win the games in the fall. But it all starts right here. And he said that in his press conference. These are the most 15 important days you have outside of the games you play during the season because you're putting in everything. And you you didn't have a spring camp last year because of COVID. And the first year you got in here, you had one, but you were still getting the staffs assembled, really getting yourself back into the game of college football. And you come out of retirement. So, this is a really big year for him. In his program, because it's year three, and you're coming off a year where you made the Orange Bowl last year, so expectation levels are high, not only just in Chapel Hill, but around the country as well.
0: Yeah, and rightfully so. There are a lot of guys that are already in place that have been uh, playing well so far, but as Mac Brown said, the big focus right now is on building depth for this roster. That was one of the big focuses for them coming in and really getting the young guys some experiences. One of the main things that he's mentioned in both of the press conferences that we've heard from him so far is that the super seniors and a lot of the veteran guys aren't seeing a ton of time right now in the spring. That'll probably change come fall when you start going through some of the competitions for reps and everything like that. But right now, it's really about learning and from everything that we're hearing, it seems like a lot of the young guys are picking things up pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, no, and it's it's really important because last year, they didn't have this opportunity and that's why, even though this team won eight games into the Orange Bowl, they were still very on early in the season. They weren't very deep and that team got worn down in the middle of the season you saw that in that game against Wake Forest, They came back and eventually won. But we knew entering the offseason they had to get depth and then, of course, build depth. He added depth on the recruiting trail, which was great. But then you got to develop that depth within your roster. You do that during spring practice and that's really big because this team has some veterans, but they're going to need their young guys to step up and play pretty well for them, too, come fall time.
0: Yeah, and one of the areas that we focused on a lot during the season was in the trenches on the yeah. offensive and defensive side, and that's an area where Carolina has supposedly looked pretty uh, pretty good so far in the spring from what we've heard from Mac Brown, especially on that defensive side of the football. The two guys uh, that Carolina brought in early on the defensive side Mac Brown's really liked what he's seen from him. Both press conferences, he's mentioned Javari Ritzy, how fast he is off the line of scrimmage. He's done some good things in pass rush. Also mentioned Keyshawn Silver. Now, the update wasn't nearly as positive. He was banged up on Thursday uh, of last week. Hasn't Practiced the la- the last two practices or has been limited uh, right. is basically what he was saying. Slowed by a leg injury is basically what he'd been saying. He said slowed for a lot of guys. We'll talk about some more of those going forward. Uh, the other thing is they've been taking their time with Kedrick Bingley Jones, but he still talks very positively about the guys that they have down there and really just the size. I mean, there's a number of guys down there that have put on even more weight, even from last year, and are looking really good. And it seems like the depth of this defensive line is just. Just continuing to grow. I think the question is: is just how deep will this line be by the time they get to the fall?
1: Yeah, no. If, if they're going to take the next step, you got to feel like you got to be as deep as possible. And he mentioned in his press conference as well. His offensive line and the defensive line, they're bigger. They're much more bigger football teams in terms of their size, in terms of their weight. You look at the two games last year against national competitors where you lost were to Notre Dame and a and You lost that game more or those games because mainly because you lost the line of scrimmage battle. So he knows, because he knows football like we know, you had to fix that area of your football team as you're entering a pretty pivotal year through. You're wanting to take that next step, and it appears as of right now They've, they've, they've taken that step.
0: Yeah, and on the offensive side of the ball, uh, again, he really you know reiterated that here uh, in this past press conference on Tuesday. It was something we heard him talk about a lot last year. Wants eight to ten guys that yeah. he can trust on that offensive line. Now, Joshua Zudu is out due to another injury uh, that's something that is uh, probably a little bit concerning because this is the second straight year now that Azudu has had some sort of injury in one of the preseason camps so that's definitely something to monitor but the good news is is that Carolina still has a lot of veterans everybody else including Azudu on that offensive line returns from a year ago you do have your death pieces and guys like Ed Montillas, Kieran Johnson who really developed for you last year and you're also seeing some of the young guys start to step up. Jonathan Adorno was a guy that we heard a lot about last year some of the people that were out at practice from some of the stuff that I've listened to on reactions to that from Tar Heel Illustrated and from Inside Carolina both of them basically saying that he looks a lot bigger um, and one of the guys that Mac Brown mentioned in the press conference the other day was William Barnes said he's down from 342 pounds which did not know he actually got up that high yeah. in terms of weight. 2 320. said he's in really good shape and he's competing and really feels like that would be a huge step if they were able to get William Barnes to be a part of that rotation. So it is starting to look like the depth is developing here. That doesn't even mention some of the other young guys uh, at offensive tackle. Caden Baker, Wyatt Tinal, um, who maybe have a chance to step up this year. They were guys that were listed uh, on the depth chart a year ago as the backups at offensive tackle. So I think that this unit is starting to look uh, like a positive, and, and you could definitely see that going forward with these guys, particularly on William Barnes. I think that would be huge because this was a guy that was extremely highly rated coming in, and to this point, I mean, let's be honest, he just really hasn't lived up to the expectations that the star rating next to his name on the recruiting trail probably would have given him.
1: Yeah, no, he's been, as you, you know, put it bluntly, he's been a disappointment in terms of what he, the expectation level coming into Chapel Hill. It hasn't Transfer onto the field for him in a Tar Heel uniform, but if Carolina can get to eight to ten guys that you can trust on offensive line, it's gonna it's gonna make this team that much more better because you're gonna deal with injuries. That's just part of the game. You know some of your guys are gonna get beat up up front, um, and also the way you want to play is that your guys will be naturally get worn down during the season moves along because they're going to get tired as fast as our offense moves. So you want to be able to rotate guys in. I think the big thing is being able to rotate guys in and there not be a drop off in production. I think that's been the biggest problem the last couple of years is that. when when you had to bring other guys in, your offensive line unit failed. You don't have Charlie Heck here anymore; those guys, stuff like that. So you've got to get at You got to get back to being able to play eight to ten guys and have the same level of play. Because I feel like, and for me. I'm worried about how this team hands, holds up in pass protection because this team, in our opinions, is going to be pass-heavy to start the season because, right. as he mentioned, we're probably going to touch this in a minute, they don't know who the running back is going to be right now. Now, granted, it's only March 31st, so it's okay that you don't know who your running back is going to be, but it's that much more imperative that I think this the ball will be put in Sam Howell's hands a lot. And we've seen the problem in this offense during his first two years because his, his – his pocket present not all that great, if you can't keep him upright, it's going to be hard to move the football.
0: Yeah, and I mean, part of that, like, look, you can't just attribute all the sacks to the offensive line. There have been plenty of times where Sam Howell has held the football way too long. That's been addressed... By the staff, you could see it at times, even last year, as the season went along, that it was being addressed. He was being told to get the ball out quicker. Um, if it's not there, just throw it away. Things like that. And Mac Brown even mentioned that in the first press conference of the year, when he talked about the goals for the offensive side of the football. That was one of the main things that they were trying to cut down on were the sacks. It's on both sides. Most people think it's on the it's on all on the offensive line. When really part of it is on Sam Howell himself. So I definitely think it's an area where you still can improve. Um, But I like what you said about the depth. One thing that I think is – maybe not as noticeable for Carolina fans until it gets brought up, is last year they had some really good luck in terms of injuries on the offensive line. You have to think that really the only guys that you missed for any period of time was Joshua Zudu early in the year. He came back two games into the season, and then you got Brian Anderson banged up at one point in the middle of the season. He only missed one start. Everybody else played throughout the season so are you going to get that lucky again that's an area of the field there and on the defensive line in the trenches you can get beat up pretty quickly so the big thing is is are you going to be able to get that lucky again probably not so you've got to have guys ready to go if they're needed and called upon and I, I think that's one of the biggest things but it's a positive to hear the way that Mac Brown is talking about all those guys and another guy that was mentioned in there Diego Pounds, who we, you know, coming in as a freshman, you kind of always wonder how much of an impact will these guys be able to have. Because I feel like, and and you know, I don't know. You're a guy that you do the trench reports, everything like that. Are you with me? That the offensive and defensive line—that's the toughest area to come in and make an impact as a freshman because the physicality is so much different than at the high school level. Skill positions, you either have it or you don't.
1: Yeah, like yeah, no, it's really hard in major college football to come in as a freshman and make an impact, unless you're just out of a lab and that's just what, you know, you could go in there and just
0: do something. Brian thing. Brise for uh, Clemson. That right. guy was just a stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, but you still need to have those guys at ready to to produce in some capacity because there is a chance they could be called upon, and it feels like Carolina has that right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at you, you look at pounds. Uh, one of the things that Mac Brown said has really good feet and can run, and I compared him to Azudu when I watched his his film. I think he's a guy that could be very versatile for Carolina. So if you can work him in there, with the possibility that some of those guys that I mentioned just a minute ago—Baker, Tenal, uh, Trey Zimmerman—who was out last year had had some issues with a shoulder that kind of held him back uh, for the majority of the season—you're talking about a Carolina offensive line that could go as many as 12 deep. Now, there'll be some guys that look good in practice when you get out there, probably won't perform as well as you'd like, but that would put you in a really good situation to even where when those guys struggle you have other guys that you can rotate in and say well we feel confident in these guys too let's see if they can give us what we want Uh, so I really encouraging stuff there Uh, as you mentioned the skill position is a little bit different now on the defensive side of the ball the corners we're hearing they're playing fantastic and that's with Storm Duck still not 100% apparently tweaked something on Saturday they're hoping that they're going to be able to sort of keep him in the flow of Things work him back uh, into being a big part of what they do here uh, in the last couple of spring practices as he tries to shake that injury off. But Tony Grimes has looked really good. We've heard that Kyler McMichael's looked really good out there as well. Mac Brown mentioned that he likes what he's seen from DeAndre Hollins and even mentioned Obi Igbuna in there as a guy that is competing really hard. Uh, I, I, I think that's really because he said that everybody else was playing well. Maybe that means that Obi's getting hit, you know, burnt a few times, but he's still out there playing hard uh, but it seems like on the defensive side of the ball at least the skill positions seem to be in, in in pretty good shape
1: yeah and you know I've been on record saying this and I will I will believe it until it's proven not true I think they're going to have the best cornerback tandem in this conference and I think when it's all said and done they'll have a top three tandem in college football that being Storm Duck and Tony Grimes but With that, you still got to have some other guys behind you ready to go. And Hollins was a guy last year that made some plays and then missed some plays. So if he's working on consistency, that's a big thing. Uh, You know, Egbuna, that's a guy that, you know, he lacks a lot of talent and stuff in certain areas, but he just plays hard and he goes out there and he gives 100% when he's on the field. You never have to question that kid's effort. And so I think, you know, we talk about the defense moving forward, how this is a really big year for them. And while it starts up front, you got to get better up there. The secondary is also going to be more, I guess, more consistent as a unit making plays. It feels like they're trending in the right direction right now.
0: Well, the linebackers, so the guys on the edge, we've heard a decent amount about Des Evans. Uh, He's up to 265 now, which is as big as uh, you're probably going to want him out there. Although, you know, again, he is a big, tall guy. So uh, some people saying uh, that he still looks rather thin um, for his size. I think that's just kind of going to be what he is, though, because of how tall he is. Put some extra padding on that guy. Yeah. you know, Mac Brown said on Saturday, though, uh, that was the first time that he's seen him and thought he really dominated a day of practice. So that's good to hear. Uh, he really, you know, said had some compliments uh, about uh, Chris Collins in there as well. Said he looks more fluid, has run better. So I think there's there's definitely some guys there that you can be encouraged about. But something that I found interesting, he has talked about guy. He's he's mentioned both kind of in passing, um, definitely in this press conference. Don't remember. I don't think he touched on them in the first one. Uh, he was talking about Power Eccles and Rod Dilworth, said they look good, looked a little lost on Saturday, were much better on Tuesday. That's the only thing that we've heard from really the linebacking core, though. And one of the things that he said in the first press conference was how they are really focused on trying to find other guys there. Not only will they have Power Echols and Ra Ra in there, but they're also going to be looking at guys like Kadri Jackson, who's been on the roster for a little bit, Cedric Gray, who was there a year ago. They need some of those guys to step up in the middle, but we haven't heard a ton about that. It seemed like that was one of the few areas that he was concerned with. Are you a little concerned about the interior of that linebacking core when it comes to the depth pieces? Not. I think we're pretty pretty certain that we've got the starters there in Gimmel and Eugene Asante, right. but when it comes to the depth there, I feel like that's an area they want to try to rotate some more guys in, but this might be another spot where you're going to see a lot of reps for your starters this year.
1: Unlike Larry Fedora, I put a lot of stock in what Mac Brown has to say, so if Mac Brown is concerned about depth at the interior linebacking position, I'm going to be concerned about that naturally. So,
0: I think it's a you know, Okay, well he didn't say concern, but it's you could just tell with him mentioning it in the way that he it's did a concern. that he was concerned.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, no. He's concerned about it. So if he's concerned, then my brain will be concerned about it as well. Because well, you, you take away Gimel and Asante, and you're, you're pretty much playing guys with limited experience. I know Kydra Jackson's been around, so has Cedric Gray, but they've never really been productive players on <laughs> the field. They've been special or, teams. Right, guys exactly. Mostly. So I feel like you've got to be concerned. And my thing is this. There's no such thing in, in sports as too much depth especially in football, which is a game that is a game of attrition. You're going to lose guys during the season. It is impossible to play a whole, a whole 12-game slate and nobody get injured. So you need to have as much depth as possible on both sides of the football, especially on your defense, because let's be frank, Jay Bateman's scheme involves a lot of smaller guys making plays. There's a good chance for those guys to get worn down, to get beat up more often than not if you're playing with a much bigger skill set. So I'm not I'm not against them building depth there. And I do think the thing about it is you mentioned what Eccles and were struggled on Saturday, but they turned around and looked good on Tuesday. That's a positive sign. That means that they're fast learners, they know how to adapt after they can handle adversity very well. So I feel like the more that they're in this situation and they struggle, but then they then they bounce back in a positive way, that's a good thing. These guys are going to make mistakes. This is a tough scheme to pick up, even with a full offseason. So you've got to live with that and understand that hopefully by year two, year three, they're not they're not making those same mistakes, and right now they're just getting a chance to see what they can do right now as a freshman.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have, you know, moments where you're out of position and everything. The biggest thing that Mac Brown has said, especially with a lot of these guys on the defensive side, is come in, learn what you got to do right now during the spring. Worry about competing when we get to the fall. And I think that's that's a great way to look at it. Um, You know, one of the other areas, you go over to the offensive side of the ball, mention the offensive line. We're not even really going to talk about quarterback because, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing really to worry about there. Nothing big really coming out of there either. I think Criswell, uh, Drake May, you know, actually Mac kind of started his press conference on Tuesday basically saying, look, we're not worried about that right now. We're trying to get Drake in here, get him to learn the playbook, learn what it's like to be a college player. We're going to figure that out in the fall. So that seems like that's kind of been tabled for now. I think maybe you'll get a little bit of a look at that when we get Get into the spring game. That'll be your first real look at what exactly the guys look at before they go into the summer where then Drake may have plenty of time to get acclimated, learn the playbook, everything like that, come ready to go in fall camp. But the two areas that he did mention, and this was an interesting quote, was he said, we don't know who the running backs and receivers are at this point. He also said this is – quote from him. We really have to use those last few days of spring practice to separate those running backs and wide receivers. Now, they still have a pretty decent amount of practices still to go. Uh, The spring game, as we mentioned, isn't until April 24th, so there is still some time here, but I think, and let's start with the running backs real quick because there's another quote that I want to add when it comes to the wide receivers that I thought was interesting. I think the running backs that really isn't that shocking. We knew that that was kind of the position that they were going to be in coming into the year. Uh, Ty Chandler coming in, again, a veteran guy, but has to learn the playbook, has to learn the scheme a little bit. It is different from Tennessee. Yeah, he fits the scheme well, but it's one thing to fit the scheme well. It's another thing to know what you're doing in the scheme. Uh, You also have you know DJ Jones coming back from last year. He was a guy that you know, he was the number one running back when it came to the guys behind Javante Williams and Michael Carter uh, last season. So he was the guy that pretty much won that backup job. He's coming in, looking ready to compete. And then there's some other interesting guys. So one of the guys that was mentioned, this was primarily on the Torhill Illustrated podcast that I was listening to the other day with our guy, our friend of the podcast, Jacob Turner, and his boss, Andrew Jones who we've had on the podcast as well. Uh, they were talking about Caleb Hood. Said he looked pretty good. Doesn't really know what he's doing just yet, but is a very physical guy in that backfield. So I think the the biggest thing here when th- with this position, when Max says he's not sure here... I'm not overly concerned about that because I feel like we knew coming in that was where you're going to be. Do you disagree with me on that?
1: No. I said the last time I was on here, there's a very good chance Carolina will be a committee by, uh, you know, running back by committee committee, approach this season. Maybe at some point one or two guys separate themselves and those guys get to tote the ball more than the others. But if not, I think they're going to be rotating a bunch of guys in, which is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with running the football as that long as way. the yards are there. Right. It is what it is. It as doesn't long matter as who as long it as they're is. producing. It makes it harder for that defensive corner on the other side of the ball to game plan his defense to stop your running attack. Right. But I think this this was expected because you have so many unknowns in terms of. I mean, yeah, you had you had the guy that started in the Orange Bowl, but okay, then you bring in Ty Chandler and Mac Brown said, "Look, he's not." phased by the moment. He's played against Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, all those teams. Right. Like,
0: so, like – Says he looks like an SEC Yeah, guy. He, he, so he, look, yeah. He,
1: looks, he looks the part of a guy that he'll probably be Carolina's quote-unquote starter when they go to Virginia Tech to start the season. Not that that means anything. So, right. I'd place, also, I'd
0: place the bet on either him or DJ
1: Jones. Yeah. I really think Jones has a really good shot here. And because, we also mentioned with Caleb Hood, that's a guy that he has the ability to make an impact as a freshman. Yep. So we're not surprised that – well, he may, not, he may look quote-unquote – lost while he's out there, he's still going to make a play or two because that's, that's the kind of football player he is. He's a playmaker. He's going to make plays as a freshman this season.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're still, I mean, we haven't even mentioned guys like Josh Henderson, who was a former four-star in high school, uh, was, you know, their backup a couple years ago, was battling with DJ Jones most of last year to be the backup, saw some reps at times. Elijah Green seems to be the guy that's just gotten swept under the rug here a little bit when we've been talking through these conversations. He's still a guy that can contribute. And then, of course, yeah, we, again, had no mention of the guy that started the Orange Bowl, In British Brooks, who we think will be fighting for a role uh, as well. But, yeah, I I think you're right. I think if you had to place bets on who would be the guys that would emerge, you said one or two guys would emerge, I think it's probably Chandler and Jones are probably the guys that you would look to. But – To be honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those guys were to come out of there and and step up. I think you know the wild card that'll be added in in the fall is Kamaro Edmonds, who you know a lot of guys like. He has a good mix of 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 speed and power. A lot of people think his game is somewhat similar to what they see from Javante Williams and the way that he runs. I don't think he's going to be able to have that huge of an impact this year. But I mean, at this point. I wouldn't even be shocked there if you have guys ahead of him. It allows him to settle in to the system. And I mean, look, if he's really on the same level that we saw from Javante Williams as a guy that just loves contact and is that powerful, it's going to be hard to keep that guy off the field too. So there's so many different options. Now, wide receiver, it's a little bit different. And as I mentioned, there's another quote that I wanted to bring up. This was said on Tuesday. Mac Brown says, with now, I'll preface this by saying Bo Corrales still out as of right now. That's that's was what I heard from what Mac Brown said. I mean, do, do you think yeah, I was no, right? He's still out. That's that's what I heard. And Choffrey Brown currently out. Now we know with Choffrey Brown, uh, he suffered a lower body injury. He will be out for the rest of the spring. That was announced by the program. Mac Brown did pretty much confirm that as well. And just from hearing him talk. Seemed like he's going to be out for a little while. I mean that that was pretty evident in the way that he was talking about, you know, when we get him back. Um, basically, just sh- saying that it's going to be a while, probably yeah. before they get him back. Um, so there are some other guys that definitely have to step up. But Mac Brown said this on Tuesday: no one has stepped up at those outside receiver spots, and they have to. I find that rather interesting another thing that he did say uh this isn't a direct quote from him but he did say that he did mention emory simmons and says that he has to keep coming i don't know exactly what that means i'm assuming that means uh talking about his uh his his growth everything like that as a player becoming maybe a little more consistent something that he really wasn't uh last year in the system. But I found, I found it pretty interesting that they haven't been able to find the guy on the outside. He was, I mean, look, raving about Josh Downs on the inside. Said that's the guy on the inside. Right now, I find it hard to believe that Josh Downs is not going to be Sam Howell's most targeted receiver this year, uh, barring an injury to him. Um, but I... I, that one I, that one concerns me a little bit more because you've got some veterans here you've got some guys that have been in the system a little bit, and nobody else is really stepping up. I mean, look, we knew that you know there was a chance that this position could take a step back, but it shows here you lose choffrey brown you're one injury away from maybe not having guys that you can necessarily trust on the outside. At receiver.
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely something to be worth noting. Um, I do think it does put more emphasis on Garrett Walson being more involved in the passing game because you don't have guys on the outside that you trust getting the football to. And we both mentioned in the uh, when the season ended last year, we expect him to take a step forward because he really doesn't have a choice because you're losing De'Ami Brown. You're losing Daz Newsome. And while you got Josh Downs, that's fantastic. And we expect him to have a big-time year. He'll probably lead the team in receiving uh, with catches, yards, and probably touchdowns. You're still going to have other guys for the football, too.
0: Yeah, it ain't um, going to take long for people in the ACC to figure out how good he is and try to right. start keying in on him. And,
1: and so, you um, know, which you okay, you get also factor in that when Bo Corrales is back healthy, he's a starting outside wide, wide receiver for you.
0: Oh, I for sure him so, and him and Choffrey. I think yeah. both of those guys are your starters so, right there.
1: I, I think really what you want right now is you want to develop, I guess, depth that you can count on. And I think you got to look at Emory Simmons as a guy that. He hasn't done a whole lot in his time on campus and he's entering his junior season now and he needs to produce and I guess that's what Mac he keeps coming. Maybe he hasn't put it all together. He has to put it all together this season. This team's gonna need him to make plays for them in the passing game. He mentioned Anton Green. That's a guy that he's battled a lot off the field with injuries, but yeah. you know, he, he gives you some size. He's six he weighs about two hundred and ten pounds. He's a guy that needs to be a playmaker for you, not just in the red zone. He needs to be a guy that even on the outside when you're not in in between the 20s can make plays for your passing game because there's going to be, you know, that's just what what it requires. The good news is this. The system, we believe, allows for you to plug and and play and get production. Yep. That's what we believe. So we're about to find out if that's actually true because this is the first time there's been an overhaul of that position where you're losing guys like De'Ami Brown and Des who's not the NFL, and Ole Miss, he had no problem plugging dudes in and getting production. Hopefully it's the same way here in Chapel Hill.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a chance that that you can. I think, you know, you look at some of the other names that he brought up. Justin Olsen, who we saw a little bit last year, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I like some of the things that I saw from him at the end of last year. Tylee Kraft really fits that role of a guy that can sort of take the top off of defenses and I think that's the area that they're maybe most concerned at yeah you know you're concerned about that that Bo Corrales role which is kind of a third down go to receiver a red zone threat but I think you know at this point just from you know listening you know reading between the lines basically of what Mac Brown was saying uh it feels like they're pretty confident that Bo Corrales is coming back sometime soon. Yeah. They're not as confident with Choffrey Brown. It feels like they're they're not quite sure what exactly that timetable is. At least that's what it seemed like to me just listening to Coach Brown. But I, I think that's maybe the the area they're a little more concerned. Who is that guy that can help you? Take the top off the defense, allow Sam Howell to do what he does best, which is throw the deep ball. And I think, yeah, Craft's that guy you look at. Anton Green is also there, but the biggest thing for Anton Green, he just needs to stay healthy. You mentioned it. I mean, again, I say this just about every time they bring him up. There is talent here. This guy was the starting wide receiver for this team in Charlotte two years ago against South Carolina. It was He went down with an injury in that game against Miami. Bo Corrales came out and really started showing that he was the type of player that Carolina thought they were getting when they recruited him, and there just frankly wasn't enough playing time left yeah. for Anton Green when he came back. So this might be his chance to step back up. And another guy that he mentioned, now he didn't mention him in this group of the guys competing on the outside, but I think it may have just slipped his mind. I think J.J. Jones is one to keep an eye on because when I was going back and watching his tape at the high school level, he did some things similar to what De'Ami Brown does where he can take the top off of defenses, but he can also be that short, intermediate route guy that can make guys miss when he has the football in his hands and can hold on through tough hits as well. So I think, and again, like I said, when we were talking about the offensive and defensive linemen earlier, the learning curve isn't as steep when it comes to wide receivers or just skill position players overall, uh, when it comes for, for freshmen, so maybe that's an area where you can have a guy like that have an impact there's a couple other guys coming in in the class Gavin Blackwell who we talked about he'll be a little more inside Kobe Pace hour as well coming in so they, i I think that's a name because he did say that he made some plays on Saturday didn't circle back and talk about him as I mentioned in that one group but I definitely think he's a guy uh, to keep an eye on so um yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much our update right there on spring camp. We're gonna move on. One of the other things that Mac Brown did talk about, and we're you know we're not really gonna focus on what exactly he said. We'll just talk a little bit more about uh, you know the guys that we know a lot about from last year uh, and a couple and the years before as well. But guys that are going on to the NFL draft, the Toriels had five guys, a couple other former players as well that participated in uh, in Pro Day on Monday at the Bill Komen Practice Center. Of course, NFL Network was there. Former Carolina Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith was in attendance as well. So this was the first time in a while where this has been a pretty big event. Probably the first time since Mitch Trubisky was going through his pro day. Uh, Carolina with of course, Javante Williams, one of the expected to be one of the top three running backs off the board in the draft this upcoming year. Michael Carter, who has moved up some draft boards after performing well at the Senior Bowl, uh, was also out there. Two wide receivers, of course, Diami Brown, who a lot of people have as a day two guy. Daz Newsome, who's seen as a day three guy, kind of in those late rounds. And then Chaz Surratt out there, uh, trying to sort of correct what some people thought was a little bit of a rough showing uh, down in the state of Florida at one of the regional combines uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but overall, I know you probably saw some of the times, everything like that. What did you think about the day that Kim Carolina had with their guys uh, pro day was.
1: Uh, I think you can tell the impact Mac Brown has at the college football level that translates to the
0: NFL. We had 31 NFL program or NFL franchises in attendance, and the Rams w- would have been there. They don't send guy. They haven't been sending anybody out during this time. They're doing everything virtually. And so. this is
1: this is pre Sam Howell going through his pro day. So next year when we're doing this and we're talking about slinging Sammy going to the NFL, there will be every NFL person available. Hopefully by then we're out of the. Covid mess, where every franchise will send as many people as possible to go see Sam Howell throw the football. So that's that's the first thing is that that's a lot of representation for a bunch of guys that are going to get drafted in the in the second day of the NFL draft. You have no one projected to go in the first round, and if anyone is and if anyone does, they're reaching, and that's going to be for either Javante Williams or Michael Carter at the running back position. But it's a good sign that Mac Brown is getting this this program back to putting talent in the NFL. And I feel like our guys, as he mentioned, no one – at the least, they didn't hurt themselves. Some guys really impressed – and you know in some underwear um, i for one don't put a lot of stock in pro days i mean ah yeah some people they 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 freak out and lose their minds over this for me i'm going to look at the film and evaluate
0: from oh, the So Also you don't think film. that Justin Fields should go number 1 after throwing a uh, a couple of bombs yesterday to wide receivers that was i mean Scripted. I mean, remember. Here's the thing to remember about pro It's
1: There's no. There's no defense. A all scripted place. If
0: you don't look well, there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, designed to make you look. That's well. the. That's the biggest thing. Is like everything is scripted exactly for you. You go over that for two, three weeks beforehand. I think now to me, and and I still don't put a ton of stock into this, anyways. I put more stock into the combine than I put into your pro day because it's not scripted. You're there amongst guys from all over – You're in front of not only one representative from teams, multiple representatives from teams, and the other. You know, the other thing is, is I mean, look, we've seen guys that have had you know some rough moments and stuff like that. I mean, the only position that you don't really judge at all there are quarterbacks because half of them sit out; they don't go through the drills, anything like that. But again, tape is still the biggest thing that you have to go off of. Um, You know, I, I think for for our guys, the the main thing is don't. Look at the drills, at, or what, like I'm talking about when they're going through like their you know, their drills, you know, running the ball out of the backfield or, or catching the ball out of the backfield. They go through you know the drills where they run over the uh, the, the uh, tackle dummies that are laying on the ground, everything like that. That stuff you can't if you're basing your evaluation on a guy off of how well he can juke out a tackle dummy that's controlled by one of his teammates or coaches. I don't really know what to tell you. Um, they do read into the times a lot. I'm, I mean, look, I love the forty yard dash. I think it's, I think it's fun to watch every year with the combine and stuff like that. At times, mainly because Rich Eyes and, and you know they, those guys make it fun. Um, but I mean, you can't put a whole lot into it. Like the fact that they were losing their mind over Javante Williams running a four six, thinking this was like the worst thing that could happen to this guy. Comes out, his official's a 4.55, five, which isn't really that bad. Uh, if you want somebody that's in the neighborhood of what he was, Alvin Kamara ran a 4.56. And look at what Alvin Kamara is at the NFL level. You can't read into 40 times. Um, but I think it is a little bit ridiculous how crazy they get over that. I mean, look, I don't know about you. When I saw, even when I saw four six, did that really shock you? Like no. I don't think Javante's like a, a he's a, a power guy. runner. He runs with an edge. He doesn't run with speed. Right. To be honest with you, I think four five five with the power. That's pretty. That's pretty good. That's about exactly where you want to be. I'm with you. I think. With him, and I got a stock report article that you guys can go and look at. He did exactly what he needed to do. He stayed right in that conversation for one of the first three guys off the board. Um, Michael Carter, you know, his numbers, uh, you know, right around where you would kind of expect it. Uh, 4 5 zero, pretty solid, pretty solid time for him. Um, the one thing that was impressive about him was the shuttle and the three-cone speed. Shows how quick he can change direction. Really good times there. Um and then, you know, the guy that I think helped himself the most. I mean, there were two guys that really helped themselves. I think Chadsserrat helped himself for sure. Um, much better time in the 40, 4,58, it's a lot better. The other thing is, they were being really hard on him when he had a slow 40 time down in Florida. You have to. this was a former quarterback. Like this isn't a guy that's been built to run great. For yeah. his entire career, he just shifted over to linebacker a couple of years ago. Um, and main thing for him, he put up 25 reps on the bench again. So he's, I mean, you could see the power with him. But the guy that really helped himself yesterday, what or yeah, yeah, it is yesterday, uh, or no, two days ago, excuse me, Monday was Deami Brown. Fantastic number. I mean, look, four four six. I I, I think. I don't know. It seems like some people were kind of expecting that. I still think that's a really good time. I'm not going to sit there and say. I mean, I think we've gotten to that point now where people are like, well, you know, John Ross ran a 4-2-4. And look at what John Ross is doing in the NFL. He's nothing. Yeah. Like it, That's that's not all that counts. But still a solid time for him there. Um, the one that, re- that that was really good for me, that, that, that 10-8 broad jump. So very explosive for him. And I think a lot of people – their eyes were opened to Deami Brown, who I think again that's the biggest thing. If you can have a good pro day for wide receivers, that can help you move up some boards because there's just so many different guys there uh, that that have a chance to be successful. Dad's Newsome. I mean, look, Mac Brown said there weren't guys that really hurt themselves. I, I, I don't know how to feel about Daz Newsom. I mean, he ran a four five nine, which is okay, not great. Um, the shuttle and three cone weren't great times either for him. Uh, I thought, as a guy that you know played on special teams, was able to change direction pretty quickly uh, when he was in pads. Those numbers could have been a little bit better. Um, the vertical, broad jump, just kind of average numbers. Bench press, only 12 reps on the bench, which isn't entirely shocking as a wide receiver. Um, But I just don't feel like he did a whole lot for himself. I think the main thing there is that you look at um, just how deep these wide receiver classes have been over the last few years. This year is no different. A day like that, while it may look like you're keeping yourself in position, that's that's a position group where guys will pass you because... I mean, especially in those late rounds, you're just taking flyers on guys. Um, So the biggest thing that I wanted to ask you and sort of the conversation that we'll have here, I saw this posted on social media by somebody, and I thought it was a pretty interesting question. Which of these guys do you think is going to have the most successful NFL career out of the group?
1: If I had to guess today, I lean De'Ami Brown if he cleans up the drop issues. That's going to be the biggest issue with him when you're grading his film, you're grading his tape. My guy from Dallas, Jeff Cavanaugh, he was tweeting about him last night, going through his tape, and was like, as a late-round option for the Cowboys, not that we need any more pass receivers, but just going through and looking at it. But I do feel like his body, his, his ability to go up and make plays deep down the field, he's a physical specimen at the line of scrimmage. I do think he will be the best pro out of all these guys. I I, I love Javante Williams, I love Michael Carter. Those guys, they got to go in the right scheme to be productive. Scheming at the NFL level for running backs is what produces yards and everything like that. Unless you're just a, unless you're like Ezekiel, you're Elliott. Derrick Henry, yeah, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel, the guys that can just literally create their own yards. So, um, but yeah, I I would go to because it's it's a pass first league. So receivers have the ability to make the most impact outside of quarterbacks going to the NFL.
0: Well, I think the biggest thing for him is can he land in the right system? Can he land in a place where he's going to have a chance to climb the depth chart? Um, because I, I definitely think there's there's a chance. I mean, I, I really like the comparison when I was going through and looking uh, at some of the guys, and, and I ended up on Marquez Valdez-Scantling for him. I really think that that could be a great role for him. Um, you know, probably I wouldn't like him in Green Bay. Hell no. Um, especially... I mean, mainly you, you got Valdez, Scantling there. Uh, the other thing with Green Bay is they, they always they rotate receivers in and out of there. Some new guy steps up for them just about every year.
1: I just hate the Packers. So. You
0: know, a place that has opened up though that I think would be interesting for him with David Moore now gone, wouldn't Seattle be a really good fit for him? Uh, that was one that I didn't put on there when I went when I did that article back a couple of weeks ago. Actually, might be a couple months ago now, uh, but that would be a, de- a really interesting spot for him. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Go go with Javante and I, I think it's because it's somewhat like what you talked about I think he he is powerful enough to be along the lines of those types of guys I don't I don't clearly I don't think he's Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott. Let's I don't not, think Because our
1: fan base believes he's a better running back than Najee Harris. Let's, let's stop that talk right now. You're lying I, okay. to yourself. Better
0: running back than Najee Harris? No. Better prospect than Najee no. Harris? It's debatable because Najee is, I believe, almost two years older than him. His film's better
1: than Javante Williams' film. I
0: mean, he plays at Alabama, though, too. That's the other thing that you have to take into account. You're playing behind a better offensive line. What do you— See, the main thing— He hurled thing, a guy and ran a touchdown in the Rose Bowl. Like, let's—, let's, let's I mean, yeah. Javante Javante Williams, I mean, first of all, Javante's not going to hurdle anybody. I don't see that happening. That's not the type of running back he is. I mean, Javante ran over Amari Carter from Miami as well. I mean, both guys have their features that make them. I think the biggest thing for, like, I feel like Najee's probably a guy that you could put in a, in a scheme that doesn't fit him as well, and he may be able to have more success. I kind of agree with you. I think Javante is a scheme guy, but I do think that there is some flexibility with Javante. As long as you don't put him behind an offensive line like Seattle or Houston or a place where their offensive line is just atrocious, I think he'll be fine. And some of the places that You know, we've looked at. I think one of the best fits, Atlanta would be a great fit for Javante. I think that would be perfect, especially they just signed a veteran in Mike Davis who I think is somewhat comparable, at least what he was last year, to what you would want Javante Williams to be. Um, You know, probably a little bit of a better receiver than Mike Davis is out of the backfield. That's the area where I think, and it's the reason why I like Javante here, is because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that's lost on a lot of people. They think, well, this is is just a really powerful runner that's how he pretty much did everything that he did at carolina this guy had almost 300 yards receiving last year like he can do it in in both of those areas he's also a really solid pass protector which is something that is important for your running back to be with how often you throw at the nfl level now so i think that's why he has a chance to be successful but yeah i think you're right i i I mean look a couple weeks ago I would have said th- this would not have been a question to me. I would have easily gone Javante Williams and said, "Okay, there's nothing to really think about here." De'ami Brown keeps getting more and more intriguing by everything that you see him doing, and I think he, he fits what they want in modern receivers because he's got the speed, but he's got the he's got the frame. He's got. You know, at times, like you said, he's got some draw problems that he's got to wipe out. But when he's on, he can catch yeah. virtually everything. So I, I, there's just, there's so much to like about his game. And then, yeah, Michael Carter, I think, you know, you've seen him really shine, Uh, especially the the senior bowl really impressed me because you were with some of the best guys down there. That was really your one chance to kind of show yourself against some of the other top prospects since you don't have a combine. You know, the pro day, again, you're just you're with your own guys, you're in your own building, whatever. There's no, you know, there's no factors weighing against you that may make you a little bit uncomfortable. The Senior Bowl is a little bit different. You're down there with a ton of guys that you don't know, and he showed out, so I think that really helped them there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would I would go with Javante Williams. But I I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, another thing that was uh, that that came out of this pro day that I thought was interesting was who was the guy that was throwing to Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, Javante Williams, Michael Carter. Sam Howell got a pretty much a mock pro day. Yep um we don't now look we don't know how much of the stuff was scripted how much of it he knew what they told him just go out make throws whatever he got to p- pretty much come out in front of 31 teams I would imagine the Rams were there in some capacity as well so probably all 32
1: that's why there were 31 ex- people at the at that pro day.
0: and get some throws on air um and, and I think that's huge and and The other thing is he wasn't the only quarterback to do it. This is apparently like, I don't know if it's a new rule or if it's been a rule that's been in place. You can pick five underclassmen that can come out and basically show themselves ahead of time. Sam Howell did it. Keaton Slovis did it over at USC as well. They wanted to showcase their quarterback who could be on display next year, guy that a lot of people think could be the number one pick. And from everything that I saw people saying that were there, They said he looked really, really good. Making some of these throws Probably I mean look If you don't know who he is by now I don't really know how to help you As a front office guy But if they didn't Open some eyes For sure um, So I mean look that, that experience Has to be invaluable To Sam Howell To come out there Perform as well as he did In this one and, and I mean honestly I don't know if you've seen Some of the highlights of Mac Jones He couldn't have performed Much worse than Mac Jones Did right. in his own pro day um, So yeah I, I thought that was really great Mac Brown seems very encouraged by the fact that there were so many scouts on campus um, and he, he he was he was excited and, and he says it helps him in recruiting, it helps him with the guys that are on on the team now he said a lot of the guys, uh, even if they weren't participating like Sam was and maybe a couple other guys that got out there um, they were standing off to the side they were watching, experiencing what it's like to be able to go through and, and, and talk to these executives everything like that so uh, I think it was a really great experience and I think look, next year I mean, this year you had Steve Smith. Next year, I'm willing. I'm willing to place pretty much a. At this point, I'll place a paycheck on it. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, more than likely, if they're back to you know normalcy with with COVID-19 gone and everything like that which we hope uh they will be at that pro day no doubt in my mind they'll be there Mm -hmm. Lewis Riddick will be there all the big time guys will be there to break down that pro day so the big thing what I'm saying there it's only going to get bigger for Carolina this was a huge step the fact that you have NFL Network on your campus year two after to be honest with you I think one year they even forgot what the pro day was for Carolina under Larry Fedora. Um, It's just it's amazing to see these these guys out there and and to see the guys you know performing as well as they did in front of the scouts. Yeah. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, Really enjoyable edition. You know, some really good stuff that we got out about uh, spring practice. I know I will be at the spring game. Is that a plan that we we're going to go? uh, to the spring game as long as I have to be vaccinated I'll be there. April 24th. I don't think they will require that. Uh and again this this just speculation. Uh during the season, maybe a little bit different, but we'll see. Uh, I would assume that they're going to let a decent amount of fans in there for the spring game. They still haven't announced anything like that. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have tickets, whatever. Whenever we find that out, we, we, we will put that up here. And, of course, uh, Go Heels, all, all of them, they'll, they'll have information on that as well. Um, but we'll definitely tell you on the podcast uh, whenever we find that out. But Carolina sprinting towards that moment. We got you covered on the website, Heel Tough blogcom got some really great articles up there right now we're gonna have a breakdown of that Mac Brown press conference for you our biggest takeaways won't probably be as lengthy as the one that we did last week uh, because last week's press conference, excuse me, was about 45 minutes long. This one a little bit shorter, right around 30. So it won't be as many takeaways, but still some interesting stuff that you guys uh, can read about in there. It'll be a little more in depth than what we talked about here just a little while ago. Uh, And then uh, we'll have, uh, of course, some stuff going up on the website as we get closer to the draft. But we do have our Pro Day stock report up there that you guys can read right now. Who helped themselves? Who hurt themselves? Who stayed put? There's some really great guys. All, All five of the guys that are going to the draft we we tell you whether or not they're trending up down or staying put and there is a surprise guy on there you can probably guess who that is after what we just talked about but make sure that you guys go and check that out on the website as well uh, and then of course uh, we'll be getting into the offseason we'll go through uh, our offseason um, series that we normally do don't know exactly what we're doing this year but we'll get that figured out as we get a little bit closer. Basketball side of things, uh, things are rolling on the website for basketball still. Uh, it, I mean, basketball season, I mean, literally, it ended on the court, and off the court, things just went nuts. And Josh has had you covered with everything. It's been just amazing, the coverage that he's been giving you guys on Walker Kessler, Dayron Sharp, Sterling Manley, Walker Miller. I almost said Walker Kessler twice. Ha, uh-huh.
1: Uh, It's okay. I titled his article Walker Kessler at the beginning of it because I thought it was the same guy.
0: There you go. I mean, they're close enough, right, at this point. I mean, you know, uh, it seems like it with the amount of reaction that you're getting from people with Walker Miller transferring. Um, But, I mean, also, you know, talking about some of the guys that are out there that Carolina may be approaching both on the recruiting trail and... And in the transfer portal. He's got all that stuff up on the website for you. Make sure that you guys go and read that at HeelToughBlog.com when it comes to the podcast. Heel tough Blog uh, Podcast. You guys can check that out. There's a couple different ways. You can do it on Facebook. We got the video version. Uh, yes, this video version is probably going to take about eight to nine hours to download on my computer, but it will eventually be up there for you guys. Um, we'll probably put the podcast version out a little bit earlier so you guys can go ahead and check that out. Wherever you check out your podcast, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of those major podcast sites. Uh, make sure that you guys check it out. When you do, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for us. The rating and reviewing moves us up some of those rankings. You guys, even by doing that, I've already noticed that we've moved up some of those when you search, uh, you know, tutorial podcast, whatever. So really appreciate you guys doing that. And then the subscribe stuff feature, that's for you guys so that whenever we do another edition of the podcast, it'll be right in In your podcast library. Again, we're going to try to do like we did last offseason, get on some former Tar Heels as well as uh, we're going to have, you know, here in the near future, try to get on uh, some more uh, NFL draft specialists to talk about some of the guys that are going to the next level. And then, of course, once we get into the preseason, This year more than ever, we are going to be trying to get on some of the national guys. So not only our guy Phil Steele, who we didn't get to talk to last year, unfortunately, because right when we were about to try to talk to him, after he spent months and months and months writing... His college football Bible With the schedules in mind They switched the schedules on him So we didn't want to do that to him He'll be back this year Brett Ciencia Who we did talk to this past year Will be back as well But we'll also try to get Some other major guests in there uh, To talk about this Tar Heel football team Over the summer So a ton of great stuff there Make sure that you subscribe So you don't miss any of that So once again Want to thank Josh Marlow For hosting with me Again here in the offseason This dude is just putting in hours On top of hours for free i mean it's just it's 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 unbelievable i mean you got the work ethic that mac brown's looking for as of right now you're definitely a heel tough blog podcast starter want to thank you guys for listening and as always go heels.